And there's a straight red card. It's the young man who's making his first start tonight, 19-year-old Alexander Jankovic. Crossed in by Shaw. It's gone all the way through and in. And it's the rarest of goals for Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Second of the season. And he walked onto it and finished it clinically to give Manchester United the lead. Shaw on a good run, supported by Greenwood, and then the shot and the goal that's in from Marcus Rashford. Well, that's 15 now this season for Manchester United's number 10. Edinson Cavani, Bruno Fernandes. Rashford with a chance to make something happen, and it's gone in off Bednarek. It's an own goal. It was all about the pace of the cross from Marcus Rashford. And Jan Bednarek, in trying to stab it behind, ended up putting it into the back of his own net for 3-0. Look at all the red shirts in the middle. Cavani! 4-0. And Manchester United are running away with it. Sort of bad ball in to uh, Shea Adams, just trying to catch Manchester United off guard, and he's managed to squeeze one in. So the uh, celebration turns to despair for Southampton as Shea Adams. Very, very tight decision. I think Ralph Hasenhutl has already worked out it's not his night. Fernandez with a chip into Martial, who can turn away from Bednarek and smash the ball in from a tight angle for number five. Tomine, Greenwood fancies one as well. Good save by McCarthy. Angle was against him. McTominay! That's six. Oh, Scott McTominay hit that sweet as you like, and it fizzed along the old Trafford turf and nestled in the back of the net. Lindelof into Bruno Fernandez. The ricochet to Martial. Penalty. Southampton down to nine. And it's number seven. And Bruno Fernandes, who hadn't scored for five matches, is back on target. Wan-Bissaka with a cross, good cross through. Martial! It's eight. Anthony Martial off the bench to score a couple. And in the final minute of the 90, Manchester United get their eighth goal. Greenwood's ball, Fernandez with the header, it's nine. It's Daniel James in the final few seconds, and Manchester United leads Southampton 9-0. Hello and welcome to the St Martins Football Show. We're on today's show, we'll be looking back at the midweek action from the Premier League that included a 9-0 victory for Man United, that's right, 9-0, against the team that was talked about possible title contenders at the start of the season during the before Christmas. Um, also, there was defeat to Arsenal and Tottenham, which is not surprising, really. So I'll be joined by Arsenal fan Lloyd Bounds, Tottenham fan Max Noonan, to have his normal moan and take the mick, Alex Daisley. We'll start off then with the early game on Tuesday, um, a relegation battle, really, between Sheffield United and West Brom. Sheffield United won 2-1, despite Matt Phillips taking, um, putting West Brom ahead after 41 minutes, and then Jaden Bogle scored in the 56th minute before man the match. Billy Sharp scored in the 73rd minute. Max, can they do it? Jeff, can they escape? Well, you've got to, you've got to believe, you know. Uh, yeah. There's definitely a mountain to climb, but, um, I mean, it is unlikely, but, you know, 
you got to believe in these things, otherwise, there's no, where's the fun in football? You got to, you got to believe that Sheffield United uh, can stay up. And I got to say, you know, I, I think uh, Wilders at the wheel. You know, I think they can stay up. <laughs> uh, two games, one better than none, and I suppose. But uh, they did avoid one record, though they haven't got the lowest amount of points in Premier League history. That still remains with Derby. Um, as well, but for West Brom, on the other hand, you know, if they'd won that, they could have maybe gone closer to to staying up. Um, you know, <laughs> crucial points. Do you think that they are down now, Alex? Yeah, it's it's so difficult at the Premiership at the moment to get other than Man City to get a consistent run. So I think it's very very difficult to, to like Sheffield United. You win two, and you just you just wonder if they can win the next two. And, such an unpredictable season. No, I, yeah, I think I think that the teams in the bottom three will will eventually go at the end of the season. West Brom still worthy of their C grade? Well, yeah, because I still think if you, if you look at West Brom, you'd expect to be in the bottom three. You know, you would. You know, as I said, they're a team that goes up and down. They're not going to be expected to be anywhere other than the bottom three. I don't know what if you ask any of their fans, none of them would be expected to be out of the bottom three and to still have a chance, I suppose. And they have still got a chance. I think most fans would have accepted that if you're a West Brom fan. Yeah, but you will, as you said, I think Big Sam's record is finally going to um, go. The next game then, on at the same time, the early game on Tuesday was between Wolves and Arsenal. Wolves won 2-1, despite Nicolas Pepe scoring a brilliant goal after 32 minutes. And then... It all went downhill for Arsenal there. David Luiz got a red card, which I don't even think it was a penalty, really. Um, and then was it Ruben Neves slotted it home in the fifth minute of added time. And then Yao Moutinho scored a brilliant strike in the 49th minute before Bern Leno was just, I don't know what he was doing, just stupid handballing it outside his penalty box and got sent off. Lloyd Warren wrong. No, oh, well, what 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 really went right? I think quite a lot went wrong that game. Like you said, the first half was quite good. Like you had then Pacquiao sack a chance within the first minute. Uh, we just clipped the post. And then you had the Pepe goal. Uh, you had the disallowed goal as well. Uh, the the first half was looking really good. I was I was very excited. I was there typing. Great first half, and then <laughs> like five five minutes into the added time, I was just giving away a penalty. Yeah, oh, careless pen. You see the first video, you think, oh, Dudley's taking it down. Get in. Red card. And then you see the replays. You go, there's, there's no red card. It's a bit, like, like you said, like you can debate if it's even a pen. It's completely terrible. And it's said, well, they didn't get overturned. Let's just display the Bednarek one. And then second half, Moutinho. There's no saving his shot. And then the, the Leno mistake then as well. well I, think he, I think he misjudged the bounce on it. Yeah. But it's... It just it did look really weird. Like his hand was like on his chest, basically. What was he doing coming out? Oh, like it, I think it was the right chance for him to come out. Like you have a Dharma Torre, but just sprint like through on goal. Like obviously you can try and come out there. And like it would be the right call to come out. Like if he if he came out and kicked it instead, it would have been miles better. But instead he came out and just punched it a bit. It didn't, didn't really work. Funny enough. I'm going to be brutally honest. I have um, William Jose and won the fantasy, so it wasn't a bad thing that he got the assist for it. But I honestly think it wasn't a penalty. And if you go down the route of giving penalties for that, I just, I, I don't know. Because like you said, the Bednarek one, we'll talk more about that um, later. But I don't think David Luiz touched him, really. I think he was more in, in his stride and he was just an unlucky clip. 
okay, you could probably say if it was a penalty, he was last man, so that's probably why he got a, the red card. But I don't think he was a penalty, and I probably would have given a yellow card to William Josie for diving. Do you think that was the that was the right case, Alex? Well, yeah, but but, but my, my big thing about this is the fact that when it happens at full speed, I don't blame the referees giving it. I don't, because it, it did look straight away as a penalty. But surely the ref has to go and look at the screen, not rely on someone else. He has to go then to the screen and say, oh, yeah, that was a clear mistake. What VAR was seeing when they looked at that, I just, uh, it's like they don't want to overturn the ref's decision. And I just find that just bizarre. And I think that cost Arsenal. And, you know, I think they'll get the, the red card overturned, hopefully. But it, that, that cost them the three points. So they're never going to get three points back or, or whatever. It's just such a poor example of how VAR's not being used properly. It's just crazy to me, crazy. And I can tell you, they haven't had the red card overturned. It's only that Jan Bednarik one that's been overturned. Oh, uh, right. Okay. Still standing, obviously. Well, I don't, but I don't understand if it's clearly, like Lloyd said, clearly not a penalty. How can that... I'm a bit, a bit confused by it all, really. Um, Dion Dublin's uh, match a day. Is um, common sense being overtaken by just stupid rules in, in football, Max? Um... Well, yeah, you could definitely say that. And the thing is, there's a lack of consistency within the rules as well. You know, what the rules are one thing, but people aren't able to understand those rules. And I think as well, I mean, it's also you know down to the referees. I just don't think they're willing to, you know, they, they make the first judgment. But even when they do go and look at the monitor, I just, I just think they're almost like to, to change their decision, their initial decision. So I think there are so many different issues. But yeah, I think common sense is definitely being overlooked. And, uh, yeah, no, I think it is a bad situation to be in. And for Wolves now, obviously, um, Nuno said pre-match that they'd had a big um, brief in and said what was going wrong this season. And obviously, um, he said before and that now they got to put it into actions. And obviously, they did that. OK, Arsenal, maybe we're a bit unlucky. Do you think maybe they could get a Europa League spot now? Um, I mean, to, to be in the position they're in, I, I mean, I, I, I doubt it. Obviously, they've been in pretty poor form. Uh, but I mean, it's obviously a good result, and uh, I think it's definitely a. I mean, with obviously Jimenez coming back soon, you know, I think it's definitely a possibility that he could climb at the table. But I'm not too sure about a European position. And obviously, um, back on to Arsenal, Nicolas Pepe on the score sheet, brilliant um, goal, nutmeg two players, and then curled it in. Um, obviously, you bought him from was it Lil? I think he was Lloyd for yeah. 72 million. Obviously, there's been a lot of criticism because he hasn't been performing up to the standard. Do you think maybe, you know, now he's got a goal, and I think he had a goal a few weeks ago, this may, you know, do his confidence well and he can progress onto the, the price tag that he is with? Uh, I'm not sure if he will, if he'll ever show that 72 million when play we played for, but he's definitely looking a lot more like him, uh, especially after coming into the into the left wing position instead of staying on the right. I think on the right, he was, he was quite predictable because you just knew he was going to shift him onto his left foot. But when he's when he's on the left wing now, it's, it's entirely different. He's very unpredictable, like, like like you saw on that one, like he not make two players and then curled it in. Like it, he looks far better on the left, and I think. When Tierney comes back, he'll only improve because he won't have to provide the width then. And he can play as the inside forward, which he did for Lille. And I, I think if he does keep getting runs like this in the team, and if he does solidify his place in the team, uh, he will just get better and better, especially with the support around him. 
Yeah, as well. Before Arsenal, it was a damaging defeat. Before we talk about the 9-0 then, at the same time, there was uh, another game at St. James's Park between Newcastle and Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace winning 2-1, despite John Joe Shelby um, scoring after two minutes for Newcastle. Um, Viderell scored after 21 minutes for Crystal Palace, and then Gary Cale scored his 50th career goal um, to gather three points for Roy and Crystal Palace. Good result for um, Crystal Palace, obviously. Um, another mid-table side, you know, we were talked about them, Europa League, but what's a good finish for them, do you think, and a good result for them this season, Alex? As high up as they can go, really. Yeah. The, the, the problem I've got with what you're all saying is, I, and I'm going to put this, I think going into Europa League, there's no incentive because it damages clubs so badly. You know, my arch enemy Swansea, they went into the Europa League and they were it, it decimated them. Stoke City, they went into the Europa League, it decimated them. Wigan, Wigan. went into the Europa League. It's not an incentive to get into the Europa League because technically, I don't think teams like Palace, Wolves, will have anywhere near <clears throat> the squads to go and win the Europa League. And it's such a... No you know, in my day, you had UEFA Cup, you had the Cup Winners' Cup, two-legged, all the way long, brilliant. Every round was interested. Again, it's been just so devalued now. I, I find the Europa League possibly the most boring competition I've ever seen. I, I just find it just no interest at all until it gets to the quarterfinals or even the semi-finals. And even then, it's like, oh, go on, I'll watch it because there's no neighbours or no home and away or no East Day. <laughs> I, just, I don't... The Europa League, I think, is not an incentive and... This is where I think Europeans got to look at this and make it a bit more incentive. Bring back perhaps the Cup Winners' Cup. Bring back the UEFA, League, UEFA Cup. You know, in my day, it was, they were great tournaments to watch. Everton, Man United, Liverpool, they all wanted to win these tournaments. Now, you know, I, I don't know if you, if you guys could name the last five winners of the Europa League. I, I certainly couldn't. Yeah. You know, I, I just don't think it's very interesting. And I think it's not an incentive. It's more of a, towards the end of the season, look, try not to get in the Europa League, boys. Just, just stay where we are. You know, and that's the problem. But didn't Swansea get a knockout when he lost? Or was it Valencia? I think they did, but it, it decimated the squad. They had injuries, the travelling. It was just, and, and again, you, you, I don't know how much money these people get for going. I know it's not nowhere near the money of the Champions League probably get. And, and, as a club, I, if I was Crystal Palace Wolves, I, I would never want to be in Europa League. It just wouldn't interest me at, at, at all. You know, I'd rather go have a long run in the in the League Cup or the FA Cup. Whereas, really? Yeah, because years ago, I just, I don't think it's it's, it's recognised that much, apart from having the winner's spot going into Champions League, which is obviously massive, you know, don't get me wrong. But no, for me, it's, it's, I, I think European football, other than Champions League, you, I could knock that myself. But I just think, bring back the Cup Winners' Cup, bring back the UEFA Cup, for me, two-legged all the way across, you know, great, great competition, as far as I'm concerned. Obviously, we got some news on the Champions League and Europa League we'll talk about later. But obviously, the, this was it next season, they're bringing in the European Conference League, a third-tier competition that's going to be um, run on a Thursday. Do you think the likes of maybe Crystal Palace, Everton, like you said, maybe may be interested in, in that competition, Max? Or do you think Alex is right in terms of it is a bit of a distraction? Um, I mean, I definitely think it, it is. I agree, definitely agree with Alex. I think it is... Can really you know take away from from you know the squad's chance at doing well in the, in the league. You know I, I, we saw it with um, with Wolves and maybe even uh, Spurs earlier on this season that they just have so many fixtures to play and against. I mean not even necessarily difficult games, but you you know there's there's travelling and then you obviously have to rotate the squad for it. 
Um, and even obviously when Spurs played, they they played fairly strong uh, lineups, you know. And the Spurs, you know, have reasonable depth, and they, even they struggled. So, um, you know, I, I definitely think, you know, branching out the European competitions, it isn't necessarily a good thing. And I, you know, I think it can also take away from domestic competitions, you know, like the League Cup and the FA Cup. So, yeah, no, there's too many fixtures as is. So more competitions is just going to make it make it worse. Um, and especially for, you know, teams with worse uh, depth and, and, you know, they're really going to struggle, I think. So what do you think of this European Conference League then, Lloyd? Obviously, third competition coming in next season. Uh, I quite like it. It finally gives us a chance to win a European trophy. That's why I want to be the uh, Yeah, I, th- I think I think it could potentially be really good. But like that's if it offers enough money for the teams to invest and get enough depth for the competition. But like you look at teams like Everton, like Palace, these teams, like which will probably probably get into it. Like let's take Everton. Like they have good depth, but then if you have to, if they have to play FA Cup, League Cup, Prem and then this league, like that's gonna be a lot, especially like over this period of time, like the Christmas, January, February period. There's like a lot of games, like in a very short amount of time. Uh, it's it's really hard. So I think I think there would need to be quite a lot of financial incentive. So so they don't just rotate entirely and play like second teams. And I think I think a bit more financial incentive just to, just to improve your squad depth too. Make sure you have the quality for the league. But I, I think I think if executed properly, it could be really good. And it's definitely a better idea than the, the like European Super League. Which is brings me on to my next point. But at least for Arsenal, it's only what the Premier League and Europa League to worry on now. No FA Cup or anything. But uh, yeah, one at Arsenal. Yeah, as we said on the, as Lloyd just mentioned, the European Super League or Premier League, whatever it's called on the FL show, and obviously you've objected to it, and I'm not a big fan of it, but do you worry if the Europa League or European Conference League is disvalued that it may be a bit of a breakaway? Because obviously there's been a lot of talk in the past few days in several newspapers that possibly six English teams could get into a, a Champions League or if the European Super League breaks away, it could be even more. Do you worry that it could actually happen in years to come? Yeah, it's, to be honest, it's been my worry since probably the Premiership came in and the global brand, you know, they wanted to make it and they have made it. But I, I still think that if, if you ask, if say for example, if the teams that are still left of the Champions League, their fans, the Chelsea's, yeah. Your Man City's, your Liverpool. None of us would know. <laughs> no, no, well, Carl City will never know. So, but what, what I'm saying is, I still think they would. They love the Champions League. Yeah, great European nights, Anfield. You know, the Bridge and, and Old Trafford. No, I'm not saying them. Arsenal were the same. They've had some great European nights over the years. They were superb in the UEFA Cup. They won Cup Winners Cup. And I, I just think they would. They're, they're happy with that. That's what they they play for. But they also love the the local derbies, your Spurs, Arsenal, United, Liverpool, your your Cities, United, Everton, Liverpool. You, you, you know that's the games that these your fans get up for, and that's the game players should be getting up for. So uh, I just don't know if it's going to be a goal. We all know money talks, and unfortunately football's a business. But no, I, I hope and pray it never happens. But unfortunately, you, you just can't tell. But do you think obviously? Um, there's been the talk about if you play in this European Super League um, that FIFA's not recognising that you won't be able to play in the World Cup. Do you think that we there might not be a, a World Cup in the future? It would be like, for example, the likes of Harry Kane or Messi, because obviously we know Messi's not a big fan of 
playing for Argentina, anyone would know that. Or the likes of Ronaldo, your Bruno Fernandes, your De Bruyne, your Bale might give up on the World Cup and play in this European Premier League because there has been talk that they could get paid a million pounds a week, possibly, with all this money coming in. No, if that happens, football's dead to me. and I would never watch it again because the World Cup has to be the pinnacle. And when you're talking about a million pound a week, no disrespect, none of these footballers are short of a few bob. So I don't think that's, I don't think the money really comes into it at that level. And I think if you ask any player in the world, other than Messi, and that's why I always say that Messi's not in the same league for me as Maradona, is because you have to win the World Cup. The World Cup is the pinnacle of the sport. So I don't understand how not winning the World Cup. You ask Pogba, you ask Griezmann, you ask Loris. The highlight of their career will be playing for France and winning the World Cup. Zidane. You know, I don't, I don't want to reel off loads of names. You know, the, the, the amount of Dutch players never won a World Cup. The amount of quality English players that have never won the World Cup. That's their one, you know, that's their one regret. I, the World Cup to me has to be the pinnacle. And if that stops, well, football's dead to me. and I'll, I'll never watch it again. Do you think, though, you made the interesting point when we talked about this, about um, that if, you know, if, for example, the likes of Harry Kane picked Tottenham, or whoever to play in this European Super League over England, you know, he might suffer like abuse or family or whatever because obviously he's not representing his country. Do you think that was the case? I think it would happen, and I mean it with Harry Kane. If, if he has, if he has family going to school, and I think unfortunately people will turn against him. And I, I do wonder if you, if if you always go club and country, we all know that. Probably, if I'm brutally honest, I do love football, club football, but I also love the World Cup. I, I, I sit down, I watch the games, I, I just love seeing the other different players. The World Cup, for me, is, is the highlight of any sport in calendar. You know, every four years, absolute quality. And I, and I think, yeah, I think Harry Kane, not just him, I think Sterling, I think a lot of the players would come come under a lot of abuse. If, if, if your kids were in class with Harry Kane's kids, you'd be saying, look, what's the matter with you? Well, you, your old man wants is the money. So it's a very delicate thing. And I'm not saying that would happen and I hope I'm not going to encourage that to happen but I, I think it would and I don't think Harry Kane would do that I'm convinced he would he would pick England and a World Cup than, than Spurs and get paid a million pound a week to, to play in this European League but I don't know I don't know what the other two think but I, yeah, I'm just very disappointed in the whole thing if, if it goes ahead Do you think um, players will boycott or like won't be able to play in the World Cup Lloyd to play in this European Premier League or do you think that Alex is right that, you know, they'll rather play in the World Cup for their country. So the likes of Harry Kane or, um, you know, Ronaldo who hasn't won the World Cup or players like that. Uh, well, I think really they're going to try and avoid this whole situation as a whole. Like, I, like it'd be ter- terrible for football either way. Because, like, most players are probably going to pick the same thing. Because, like, say say everyone everyone picks the World Cup instead. No, like someone like a Ronaldo then isn't just going to pick the Premier League. They want to they want to be with everyone else in the World Cup. And I think it I think it'd be terrible if that happens as a whole. So I think they will try and stop it happening. It'd be it'd be terrible to have to pick between the two. I I do think it would ruin football and it would be terrible because it's just it's just changing it for more money, which is is just stupid. I I really don't think it should happen. And what all led to this, and I think this, is obviously a few years ago as um, the Club World Cup, which obviously Liverpool have won, I think Bayern Munich are in it this week as well. Um, obviously, there was talks about FIFA of expanding it to, I think, 18 European teams as well. And obviously, that's broken away to this European Premier League as well. But 
will it get a bit boring, Max? You know, because there's been a lot of talks that Man United and Liverpool are founding members and no one can get relegated or whatever. Do you think it will get boring playing like, for example, Tottenham, Real Madrid or Arsenal, Barcelona or Man United, Bayern Munich, like for the next 10 years without any change? You know, definitely. I think it would get boring. Uh, and I think it's kind of against football and what football's about. I mean, none of that grassroots you know, thing that people love so much and I think it's not really for the, the football fan it's more for the you know the general sports fan and I think it could you know maybe that's where the appeal is and that's probably where the most money is as well uh, so that's probably why they're inclined to do it but I, I mean yeah I think it would be boring I'd, I think it would would be in a ruined football and obviously you know that, that has no history to it obviously things like the Premier League and FA Cup they do have that element to it as well but yeah no, I think it is just a fairly uh, boring decision and I think obviously it favours uh, the money as opposed to you know what football should be about and that's the fans one final point before we talk about the 9-0 man united victory is obviously your refl expert alex how do you think if this european super league or premier league did come in it would affect the likes of cardiff and efl teams and lower Premier league teams yeah it, it would affect them massively because no matter what you say you know when cardiff get promoted you look for the big games the arsenal's the spurs the man united the man cities the liverpools you do you look when you get your season ticket, you look for where you're going to be playing these teams. And I think if these teams weren't in it, as much as obviously, yes, you'd want to go to the Premier League, it, it would, it would, if I wasn't playing Man U, Liverpool, Arsenal, Spurs, it, would it be that great to get into the Premiership? And uh, yeah, Cardiff, it would they win it. it massively. Well, yeah, yeah, I won't go that far. We can't, can't even beat Wickham, so I'm not going to go that far. But um, yeah, I, I think it would affect. I would. I agree with Max and Lloyd. I, th- I just think football as we know it then would, would, would could really just destroy itself. And, and I think it would. It wouldn't just be me. I think a lot of my generation would completely give up with it. And and what you got to understand when when Cardiff turned their red kit, you know, I didn't go down that red season. They're not interested. A lot of Cardiff fans, most of them have gone back, but some I know just will not never step back again. So when you make changes, it can. It can really destroy people, and I no, I I just hope it doesn't happen. Yeah, I hope it does. Obviously, you know, Man United probably won't win it, but um, no, I, I think it would be boring. And you got to look at the likes of you know even Man United Everton on the weekend. You know, we've had some brilliant games with them. Leicester as well. We've had brilliant games with over the years as well, and, and other teams as well. We wouldn't be able to win nine 0 if we weren't for like teams against Southampton or. Or whenever, which leads us on to the, the next point. Obviously, uh, we beat Southampton 9-0. It didn't start well for Southampton. Um, the youngster, um, Jankovic, got sent off after two minutes on his Premier League debut. And then, t- well, horrific tackle on Scott McTominay. Possible leg breaker, actually, as well. But um, thank- thankfully, Scott McTominay managed to, to get up and he was all right. Um, Wan then scored our first goal after 18 minutes, and then Rashford seven minutes later. Um, Jan Bednarek scored a, an own goal as well, which you know summed his night up really. And then Cavani in the 39th minute um, at halftime, we were four 0 up. Then Martial scored two in the 69th and 90th minute. McTominay got a brilliant strike in the 71st minute. Bruno Fernandes scored a penalty, unsurprisingly, and then he uh, brilliant assist for Dan James's goal, who come off the bench as well. Luke Shaw two assists, Greenwood um, one, and Fernandes with two. Unbelievable, Alex. Yeah, to be fair, you know, everything you touch went in, and that's going to happen sometime. It was 
it was such a horrible tackle to be fair. You couldn't even defend that tackle. It was disgusting. But uh, yeah, I, I, I thought United did what they had to do, playing against ten men. And yeah, congratulations, nine nil. You can't fault it. I mean, you touch went in, and you know you, you can't yeah. you no know, can't say anything negative about it really, apart from taking Luke Shaw off at half time. That cost my fantasy football points, you know. <laughs> Well, then, abuse you give it, Ollie, save you right. That's um, well, but obviously, one of the main talking points was not just um, somebody triple captain in Jan Bednar and getting minus 21 points, but was, of course, his um, red card, which was quite similar to the David Luiz. Um, we'll start off with you, Max. Obviously, um, it's been overturned now, and there was a clip going round after that Jan Bednar, when he was walking off the pitch, said that um, Martial said it wasn't a foul, but obviously, VAR give it as a foul. Do you think that if you overturn the Jan Bednarik one, you've got to do the David Luiz, or do you think there maybe was a bit of a difference? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I think, I definitely think, Raymond, regardless, I definitely think that it should have been overturned, the David Luiz one. I mean, obviously, I don't think that was a red card. But, um, you know, I think, I mean, yeah, I think I think there is obviously similarity there, but the thing is, I don't really like the idea of you know, comparing these events. And, I mean, we kind of have to just because of how you know bad it is. But, um, you know, I think, you need to see them as you know the isolated incidents that they are, and uh, I mean, I just think it just shows the state of the, the refereeing in the Premier League that you know you have to compare these events just to get any semblance of sense out of it at all. But um, you know, I mean, I definitely think they both they both should be recalled, and um, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I think obviously to come back again, I think the state of the refereeing is is isn't really being understood uh, being understood by the by the fans, and obviously, you know, it, it isn't it is it is in a bad situation at the moment. Um, as well, and I think um, obviously that we talked about that McTominay challenge. Well, it could have possibly been career ending, but I honestly thought it was a dive against Martial. If I was being brutally honest, and I was surprised it was given as a penalty. Okay, you may say, oh, it's Man United, you know, they always get penalties, blah blah blah. But um, you know, I, I think it's it's right to be overturned. But I do think that David Luiz, you know, is it? Do you think Lloyd that? Um, obviously there's been a lot of things saying David Luiz has done it before do you think that's what maybe cost him he said on match a day Danny Murphy said that maybe it was his you know he's done it before so maybe they're going to come on harsher on him do you think that was the case uh, yeah I definitely think it could have been but what I think it is like like you look at the Luiz situation there's one their lap but it's going to half time and then that's when the red card is but then you look at the Man United one like you're seven their lap and then that's when you get a red card. So it's a lot easier to return a Benarek one because, like, it isn't going to change the game. Then, in the case of the Dave Luiz one, like, you keep Dave Luiz on the pitch, and that isn't happening. Like, yeah. we're, we're going into half time one all, and I guarantee you, we're coming out, we're putting in a much better performance instead. Like, and then the, Len- the Leno issue probably doesn't happen either. Like it completely changes the game, and I think I think the rest didn't really want to own up to that huge mistake they made. But then with the Bednarek one, they were fine to own up to it because it doesn't change the game at all. Yeah, as well, Mystic Meg, they're predicting what would have happened with them, <laughs> the Leno incident, but they were not just red card incidents. That Shea Adam had a goal ruled out as well, which was ridiculous, really. I think they come out after and said he was. Um, his finger as well, which as you said, Alex, it cost you. It cost me a award prowess assist as well for the, for the fancy. But how ridiculous is VAR going? Because you've been a, a very harsh crit- critic of it, Alex. And um, there was another one as well, Cavani, um, which should have probably should have been a penalty actually. 
um, because his foot was just on the line as well after a foul. And then you made the point after that no one talked about Greenwood um, putting it into the, the bottom corner as well. So the goal should have stood, obviously. Tottenham had one, I think, earlier in the season when he was on the line. So, obviously, a lot of VAR drama. What are your thoughts on them few incidents? Well, I couldn't believe, and this is what annoys me about modern football, is the fact that no one mentioned that. And none of the pundits, because well, obviously he went back, he stopped the game, gave a free kick. Now, when the ball came across, Green would smash it into the corner. Goal, no problem. There's no point going back for the free kick because you scored. Now, I... No one mentioned it. None of the pundits, which doesn't surprise me because they're all rubbish. They're not worth the salt, none of them. But I couldn't understand why that goal was just disallowed because he brought it back then and gave a free kick. And not even the Man United players seem to moan about it. I'm just a bit... I need help with this VAR. So I just I just don't understand it all. I'm just getting... Everything I see, I just think is... is and I agree with Max 100%. The referee and, and Lloyd, the referee and standards are so poor in the Premier League. But... I just don't understand the logic. Why would you not give Greenwood that goal? Why wasn't Greenwood in the rest face saying, look, why did you... That's my goal. I, I know if, if you were taking that off Roy Keane, or if you were taking that off Wayne Rooney, you were taking that off Henri, they, they'd have been up for quite rightly. And, but nothing seemed to be said about it. I, I'm lost with the VAR situation. And it's, and it's just, quite similar that, obviously, when he's offside as well, if you put the ball in the back of the net, like Rashford did in the Champions League um, as well, he put the ball in the back of the net, um, obviously, I think it was against Istanbul when he put the ball in the back of the net. They give offside. VR checked it. He was onside and obviously put the ball in the back of the net. So he counted. I think Bamiang had the same situation, I think, possibly against Brighton last year or the start of the season as well. So is it a bit of inconsistency? Um, you know, you've just got to look at that. Shea Adams, his finger offside, is it getting ridiculous now, as we said earlier, overruling common sense? Yeah, I think so, 100%. I don't know what Lloyd, Max, and yourself think. I just, it's, it's coming to a point where it is starting to spoil football. And I was I was quite a supporter of VAR when it came in, especially what, what Cardiff City went through two seasons ago. I thought, oh, well, great, at least it'll stop some of the silly, you know, more obvious incidents. But it's, it seems to be causing more problems. How can a finger be offside? I, 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 I just don't get it. I, I'm sorry. I, and you know me, I'm an NFL fan, so everything gets down to the ground. It's replays, blah, blah, blah. But this is becoming a point where football is, again, it's, it's spoiling itself and it is ruining some of the some of the things which which we all like to see. Money spinning rugby, but um, <laughs> for the um, as Alex said, VR is is ruining it. Obviously, um, Matt uh, Lloyd has already been um, two law changes to the rules this year because of VAR. Do you think that at the end of the season, most likely now that? They just got to all sit down and think, right? Let's just use common sense and cut out these stupid errors of fingers or here offside or like Alex said, let the goals count as Mason Green without or the penalty Cavani should have had. Do you think that maybe a law change is required? Uh, I think what's required is to sack all the referees and all the officials <laughs> and everyone who looks at VAR and everyone who organises it. Again, a whole new system. Uh, VAR isn't the problem at all. It's just the incompetence of the people using it if we get rid of VAR and they can use common sense they don't have any common sense they're not going to do anything <laughs> that's the best what? comment of the show so far yeah, yeah. think of all the calls where, like, they've just completely had it wrong like I was thinking of them Aubameyang against United we've got calls for offside where Maguire was about four four metres yeah, it's terrible it's like it's terrible I, I really don't I hate all the officials none of them are good at all Especially after what happened against Wolves, I, I will. I, 
English referees are terrible. You have the Wenger quote, so I was going to add to Mourinho because everyone does. Like Wenger said, none of them will go to the World Cup. None of them <laughs> did. I, I, don't think, I don't think there's one referee in Europe, uh, one English referee in the Champions League or Europa League. Like, they're terrible. I don't know. I, I don't, well, there's very few, anyway. Like, the Premier League is the best league in the world. And it's the best league in the world with the worst referees in the world. Like, the sort of Neil Warnock said after Cardiff went down. Yes, I remember. He said it's the best best league in the world with the worst referees. And it's terrible. Anytime anyone speaks out about the referees, they get fined then as well. Like, I, I really don't understand that either. Like, if Arteta spoke out and said the WWE's one is on a red, he said it is on a red, like, he'd get fined then. The referees should get fined instead. They're the ones who made the mistake. Another one, another one is um, the first Spurs Brighton game where they used he you went up to the monitor, ref went up to the monitor after Brighton just scored and there was uh, an alleged foul in the build up. He looked at the monitor, he looked at the foul that was in the build up to the Brighton goal. He saw the foul and then he just said it wasn't a foul, even there was a clear foul in the build up, and then he gave the goal. Which, I mean, just <laughs> yeah, no, using, it's, it's using the technology, it's just using it wrong. It's, it's not the technology's think- fault at all. It's just all all the people using it. But obviously, it's been. I, I think I agree on on some of the referees. I think you know some are ridiculous, and as you said, they Cardiff proved that a few scenes ago, and there have been several incidents as well. But do you think, Max, that it's been a lot of talk of maybe players going in there because obviously, let's be honest, referees don't always know the circumstances of what players are thinking or what are they doing because you know, like a lot of people said. Obviously, we, we, we're not Mystic Meg and we can't read into their heads or whatever. But, you know, probably that Southampton um, player wasn't going in to break Scott McTominay's leg. OK, he, was, he probably was nowhere near the ball. He was going into it. But do you think maybe they do need a player in that VAR centre to, you know, give him some help in hand on, like, what it's really like? I mean, From a player's point of view? I mean, you'd expect that, you know, referees would be able to understand that or, you know, they could, they could have... Sure, maybe a consultant, a consultant like that could be useful, but I don't think it's necessary, really. I think a referee should be capable of seeing that. And I think that, you know, intentions and, and the kind of malicious uh, nature of a tackle should be able to be determined from a VAR screen. I think I think that is enough. Obviously, watching the replay, I think it will, obviously, you know, you can you can get a lot more information than, you know, just the, the moment. So, you know, I don't think that's necessary. And it shouldn't be necessary. And I think, you know, I think, you know, a good referee will be able to tell that without requiring a thing like that yeah and you've talked about the fines i think mo salah made a comment on var as well but he um backed out as well because he said that the fine will do you agree with it uh, with lloyd that referees do you think possibly alex maybe referees should come out after the game and explain their decisions oh without without a shadow of a doubt and i've been saying this for for 10 years but the one thing that it does take away that it's, it's the banter on a monday morning you the problem is, it is difficult because football is about um, what you think it's about. It's what you think. So I could say this apparently. Lloyd could say no. Max could say yes. You could say no. We might never agree. But some of the decisions are just, it's, it's, anyone can see that. Are there any knowledge of football that it's a foul or offside? And this is where it's being being used wrong. And I, I do agree with Max. It's the VAI. It's just not the system. And I agree with Max and Lloyd. It's not the system, VAI. It's just the buffoons that are using it you're 100% right I, yeah I just don't understand it I just can't get my head around it but um, one player before we read out some of the statistics which are quite remarkable one player that we've criticised Bruno Fernandes obviously okay he scored a penalty but two assists 
um, defensively as well. He won loads of headers. Do you think this is um, maybe a start of a confidence booster? Um, Lloyd and we can see him back to his best compared to what you three have, you know, been describing him as poor over the weeks. Well, yeah, he did go through a few bad games. Like, and I think, I think what we all criticised as well is his performances against the bigger teams. Like, is they, is they put a really good performance up when you're winning nine nil, but where is he when it's a must-win game against Man City in the league? Like, where is he when, when you can actually push yourself closer to the to the title challenge? Like you could have been above City if you won a few of the big six games. Like he he did have an amazing performance against Southampton, and I, he was probably the best player on the field in my opinion. Uh, but I think he just needs to do more of those big games because that's that's really where you're lacking. It's all well and good being able to go and bully these lower teams, but if you can't beat the big six, then you're not going to do anything as shown by the current table. Like you have City who win most of their games against the big six, and then also bully the small teams as well, and that's why they top. I think usually that you need to start being the big six and Bruno needs to start performing because he's basically your entire team. If he does well, your team does well. One one word answer starting with you, Lloyd. Can Man United win the Premier League? No. You, Alex? Definitely not. And you, Max? No. No? Obviously, some of the stats quite impressive, actually. 46 goals. We've scored the most in the Premier League this season, which is quite surprising because normally it is um, Man City and, and so and Liverpool who are normally scoring as well obviously Martial was back in the goals Alex you've backed him up um, for quite a while now and saying he's a good striker do you think he is a good striker or do you think that Cavani should be starting over him it's, it's difficult because Cavani's work rate is outstanding and you can't fault that and he does bring a lot more movement up front than Martial but I just think Martial is a bit he, he, he's, he's arrogant, yes. He he's a bit shrugging his shoulders, but for me, he's, he's got a lot, a lot of quality. He has, and, and I think I think the, the abuse he gets from my United fans is a bit unjust because he doesn't get a huge amount of service every game, and and he's, he's just one of those players. If it's going well, United fans will love him. If it's going badly, he's an, he's an easy target to, to sort of pick on. He's a bit like Nathan Blake in the old Cardiff City days, if, if you know, lazy player, but just so much quality. Um, yeah, you know, so I suppose, I don't know, he, he has his moments, he's just not um, that consistent as well. And as you said about Cavani, I think um, when he started in um United team in domestic records, eight games played, seven wins and one draw as well. So obviously um, he has a big impact as well. And obviously the 9-0 means we're the um, third, only third team to win by 9-0. Obviously, 1995, we did it against Ipswich, which you'll probably remember, Alex. Yeah, pitch was shocking that day. And always remember Andy Cole, what a player he was. Yeah, yeah, top, top, top. United was so good then. It was pity you guys weren't born because they were, they were so good. They were they were frighteningly good. I think Andy Cole scored five that day, didn't he? Mark Hughes, two, Paul Lynch, one, and Roy Keane, one, I think they said. And um, the, 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 those four players would walk into any Premier League team now, and that's how good they were. The four of them, absolute incredible players. Yeah, back in the days when we were winning um, titles as well. Obviously, 2019, Leicester beat Southampton 9 0, and then um, two years later, Southampton losing 9 0. Do you think that they can bounce back from this, Max? Obviously, they did it before when they lost 9 0 to Leicester and they went on. Um, you know, some bad results and they turned around and look how well Ralph has done. Do you expect the same now? 
Oh my, I definitely. And um, I mean, this and this has a you know different context than, than last time as well. I mean, they've been in, you know not fantastic. They they've fallen off recently, but they've they've been really good obviously since since the last time this happened. And before they were, you know, they, they maybe were not looked at in the same way. So yeah, no, I definitely think they have the capacity to. And then they have injury problems, and that's why obviously the youngster, yeah, Yankowitz, I think it is, uh, was playing in the first place. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, I think you know, as the some players, the important players that come back, uh, they'll they'll definitely bounce back. You know, and I think you know they they've shown that they can do it before. Uh, do you know? I definitely think they can they can do it again. They definitely have it in them. And um, you know, obviously it's not something it's not ideal, but you know, I think they they kind of have the experience uh, sadly you know and unfortunately for them uh, they i'm sure they can do it again yeah yeah and final final one then obviously marcus rash has now overtaken eric cantona um in man united top scorer since obviously eric cantona got 83 rash was now on um 84 and he's only 24 years old as well which is um quite remarkable so it was a, a busy tuesday can i um can i just uh, interrupt Leon? how many games has rashford done it in because i'm I'm assuming that Rashford has played probably a lot more games than Cantona played for, for Man United because obviously they weren't in the huge amount of competitions. What's um? Do, do you know the stats of how many games he's actually played to get to that um milestone? No, I haven't got the I haven't got the exact thing. Um, obviously, Eric, Eric Cantona. How many seasons was he at us? Because obviously he joined from Leeds. He, I, don't, I think it was only four seasons. Oh yeah, I was, I was just about to say five. As Rashford's obviously when did he break through? It was about sixteen minutes. So he's probably been there about four years as well so maybe uh and obviously there's more games nowadays isn't it with europe yeah. league champions league cups so i'd say he's probably done it in probably more yeah. he's still in fashion Rashford's played 262 262 oh, yeah. yeah don't get me wrong great milestone great player rashford i was just wondering what what the comparisons would be games played and because obviously being in mind camp that was banned for nine months for attacking that fan so uh one of the seasons he literally didn't play all season so um It'd be interesting to see how many Cantona played and how many Rashford played in that sort of um, era. Yeah, we'll try and find that now. So, obviously, as I said, Tuesday, busy. Four red cards, which I don't know if if that's ever been done. But on Wednesday, it wasn't as busy as that, but it was um, involving one shock result, which we'll touch on um, in a bit. Obviously, the early game, Man City continued their brilliant form, um, winning 3-0, obviously. No, probably say kills me to say, but they are probably. Mm, will they walk the league? Possibly not, but you know you'd probably say they are going to win it. Two goals, a uh, goal from Gabriel Jesus and Raheem Sterling were enough to get past Burnley, and um, Riyad Mahrez had a goal um, chalked off as well. Leicester won away at Fulham two nil. Um, Kolecki and Nacho with a goal, and then James Justin just before half time, two assists from James Madison. A uh, James Justin and. Madison possible England starters in the Euros, Lloyd? Uh, I'm not sure about starters, but I don't think both should be taken, uh, especially James Justin. I think he's kind of gone into the radar a bit. Uh, I think, well, at the moment, his performances for Leicester have been, they've been incredible, really. And, like, he's, he's still really young, and he can also play right and left back. I think I think he's the perfect type of player to bring to the Euros, especially as they are quite lacking in the left back department. And they're like like at right back is somewhere they they have lots of depth. But like he kind of slot in there, which is always a positive. I, I think he should definitely just get called up. But I'm not really sure about the starting spot. Yeah as well obviously you come from Luton in the championship I think in the summer or the summer before. 
um, as well. So he's definitely been performing. Um, it was a brilliant game at half seven at Ellen Road between Leeds and Everton. It finished 2-1 to Everton, especially the last 25 minutes. It was literally end to end. They were both going at um, each other as well. Obviously, Leeds, we've been expecting that as well, considering this start they've had. Gilfrey Sigerson put Everton ahead after nine minutes. And then Calvert-Lewin ended his goal draft scoring in the 41st minute. And then Rafinha, who's been on brilliant form himself recently, scoring in the 48th minute. At least the most exciting team in the Premier League, Alex, to watch. Obviously, you're a neutral fan for the Premier League. Yeah, they are. I think, to be fair, most of the games I've seen have been really good. Um, I think I think Leicester are good to watch. I think Villa are good to watch. Uh, obviously, Man City are, are good to watch. Um, but yeah, I, I would say Leeds are probably the most entertaining team that I've seen up there for, for a while, yeah. And obviously Bamford, another assist. Max, is he starting to show now that he's not all about the goals? Well, yeah, I mean, I think he's naturally going to be involved in a lot of play in a team that scores a lot of goals. But, you know, I mean, I think it's always useful for, uh, for a striker to do that. And I think obviously showing the ability to do that is very, very good. And I think, you know, obviously he was, I don't think he was really as rated as highly at the beginning of the season as he is now. So, you yeah, know, he's adding to his attribute, uh, attribute list. And, you know, I think he's... Uh, looking like a better player than people expected uh, him you know, to be at, at the beginning of the season. And Rafinha as well, he's gone a bit under the radar. Um, you know, how good a player do you think he is? Uh, no, I mean, I think he, he's obviously very, I mean, he's shown you know, he's obviously a, a, of the right quality uh, this season. Uh, you know, I, mean, I think he's a, he's a good player and I think he's a fantastic signing for Leeds. Yeah, as well, obviously. Um, where did he come from, do you know? Uh, Ran. Uh, Ran as well, obviously. Um, was it 30 million or just under, maybe a bit cheaper as well um, for him as well? And he's come under the radar, but it wasn't enough for um, Leeds. West Ham won a brilliant game at Aston Villa as well, 3-1. Thomas Suchek, who's been absolutely brilliant since joining on a permanent deal from Slavia Prague in the summer, scoring in the 51st minute. Jesse Lingard then got two goals and Ollie Watkins got a consolation goal now. You've said, Alex, that it was a brilliant move for Jesse Lingard. Do you think this can maybe, you know, I think there's no option to buy, I don't think. So it's just a, a loan to the end of the season. Do you think this could restart his Man United career in the future? Yeah, possibly. He, I think he's a good player. and I, I've always thought he was a good player, but he, he is a bit lightweight. And I think he needs to possibly get on the weights a bit so he can just make himself a bit stronger because I think he can get pressed off the ball really easily, um, whereas Rashford doesn't seem to do that, Greenwood doesn't seem to do that, so I can understand why United loaned him out, but yeah, I, I think he's got a lot of qualities, and I, I think if you can keep him fit at West Ham, and he, he'll run and he'll run, and yeah, a good signing for me, and I think, yeah, he will go back to United. Obviously, England got so much um, talent to go to the Euros, but two West Ham players that have stood out, Aaron Cresswell at left-back, and then um, Mikel Antonio up front, he obviously got two assists as well. Do you think maybe they could be possible options for the Euros? Obviously, Antonio's got that big physical presence up front as well. Yeah, I think it'd be nice to give him a chance. I've been really impressed with Cresswell, to be fair. I think he's been excellent this season. And Antonio, he, again, when he's fit, he'll he'll run all game. His, his stamina is you know, massive. I think he's a, he's, he's a real top quality player. And didn't he come from non-league? Didn't he come from a non-league? Yeah. Um, so, it's, so for me, I'd love him to go to Euros because it just shows again that the, the grassroots is working, and you do get quality players sometimes if you, if you look hard enough and you've got a good scouting system. 
yeah, as as well. And then the last game um, on Wednesday, probably the was well, most unexpected result in quite a while. Actually, obviously, I've criticised Brighton. I think I did it after their um, performance against Newport and said there was four championship teams better than them. I think I'll take that back. Not just on this performance, they've been keeping clean sheets and been performing well. And they beat Liverpool at Anfield one nil. Um, I didn't even know who got the goal. I think they're still debating it. It went down as a Alzetti goal as well. It could have possibly been a, I think a Trossard goal as well. But Brighton probably won't care um, who got it as well. Obviously Liverpool, Andy Robertson, you know, has said Liverpool not in the title race. Are they in the title race, Max? Um, I mean it's difficult to say. I mean, for me, with you know, in context, I think it would. With the possibility of you know some players returning from injury and you know like a Jota perhaps I'm not too sure you know when everybody is due to come back, but uh, I mean with them players returning you you can you can't say that you know they're totally out of it obviously with their uh, form in recent years but uh, you know for me at the moment I think the title race is starting to shape out a bit and I think it's starting to be clear who the front runners are or the front runner is and that's just Man City so yeah for me I think while while they're not totally out. Uh, I think they're, uh, they're they're out for the time being. And Alex, there's been a lot of talk, um, you know, about uh, Van Dijk and Klopp's confirmed he's not playing for the rest of the season, despite him being in Dubai and, um, you know, doing all his fitness testing. How massive is that for Liverpool? Yeah, huge. And I still think, um, yeah, I, I don't think you're going to put him in the in the title race now but yeah that's massive absolutely huge if they can get him back um i just think something's gone on at liverpool they just don't seem as happy anymore the players it seems to be a bit of a problem with the players and i don't know if they don't they don't seem together as they were last year but i i still think man city won't run away with the league i i i think they'll start tinkering when it comes to champions league fa cup and I still think there's there's hope for teams below them like Liverpool, um, like Leicester. They're still in with it, I think. Still in with a chance. Yeah, um, as well, certainly yeah, an open race. But I've criticised Brighton. Obviously, Lloyd has, has backed them up. But Max, are they going to be a Premier League team next year? Um, as it stands, obviously, I think I'd probably say yes. Uh, you know, obviously, they've obviously be Spurs and not and Liverpool as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they definitely have the players to to do so. I mean, I think manager as well, definitely. And I can think of it. Whilst I think there are, there is certainly quality down there, and it's I think it's quite a difficult title race, uh, relegation battle down there. I'm not I'm not quite sure who's going to go down. I think there are certain favourites, and I don't think Brighton is one of them. Yeah, I, you know, I think they have fantastic players all over the pitch. Maybe maybe the striker position is where you you, you doubt the quality a little bit, but I think Basuma is exa- is an example. You know, I think he he is has the potential to play for a, a top six side, and as long as you have players like like that and a manager like Graham Potter, Potter I think they're, they're whilst not totally safe, they definitely have a possibility, and I I do expect them to stay in the Premier League. Yeah, and then um, going on to your team now that you probably don't want to talk about on Thursday, the North London derby between Tottenham and Chelsea. The only goal um, for Chelsea came through Jorginho, which was enough. Obviously, Chelsea winning one nil. It was a. I don't even know what Eric Dyer was doing on um, Timo Werner for the for the penalty. Max, tell us what went wrong for the third successive week. Um. Well, well, I mean, I don't think as much as much went wrong as as in past weeks. I mean, obviously a lot did. I mean, I, I think attack, attacking wise, there's basically nothing there. 
but uh, I mean, I think defensively it wasn't appalling, and obviously that one moment was absolutely horrendous. I, I mean, I, I, I have no idea. I can't even explain what he was trying to do. I, I genuinely have no idea. But um, I mean, obviously, I mean, one goal from a penalty, you know, no goals from a play conceded. I guess it's an improvement. I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, again, it's just it's just going forward, and obviously missing Kane is going to lead, uh, lend to that. There's just nothing there, really. There's just no plan there. There's no, I mean, there's no tactics really, other than just defence. So, yeah, I think I think it is probably you know tactics-wise, that's that's the main issue. Uh, you know, there's no real attack force, and uh, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, I think once you once you lose Kane, a player like Kane, uh, you kind of came to expect it. That was obviously the main route of the attack, just scoring early and then defending that that goal. But now you can't do that because you have, don't have Harry Kane. So yeah, no, it kind of just exposed the the lack of any ideas from Mourinho outside of that plan, and uh, yeah, no, it, it obviously was very poor. Do you think Lloyd any um, London teams will get in the Premier League? So West Ham uh, in the Champions League, sorry, so West Ham, Chelsea, Tottenham, Arsenal. Yeah, I'm not sure really. Like I think looking at who was the highest chance, none of them really do. Like, you look at Chelsea, I think, and to Tuchel, they could probably push for it a bit. Like, you look where they are on the table right now. Like, they, like they are currently in sixth, but then, like, they're still four points off. And then you look at the teams above them as well, and it's really, are they going to drop any points? Like, you look at Leicester, United, you set, set up some, like, a Villa, who had lots of games in hand. So I think I, I think I expect one of them to. I think the most likely option is probably going to be Chelsea. But I wouldn't be surprised if this is probably the first time in quite a few years a London club doesn't finish inside the top four. Yeah, well, certainly would be good for um, the Manchester um, teams as well. But obviously for Chelsea, um, Tuchel's come in. He's unbeaten now in, in the three games, kept clean sheets in um, all of them as well. Obviously, one player that wasn't involved in the Frank was Marcus Alonso. Now he's come back into the... Um, picture under um, Tuchel as well. Now, there's been a lot of talk at the bench. Joel's career could possibly be over at Chelsea already, and he obviously only joined in the summer from Leicester for a big price tag. Do you, do you think that is the case for Joel Lloyd? No, I think potentially it could be. But I know I know um, under Dortmund and at PSG and Tuchel, uh, he really changes his formations a lot based off the team he's facing. I think he's something like nine different formations at PSG. So I, I think there is a place in the squad. I think Tuchel's just done with the back five. So it's, it's a bit more defensive, but more conservative. Like it's known for just for getting the results, basically. And I think once like the players have trained under him and learned his style, then I think he'll probably try and change the change the system he plays a bit more. So then when they move out of a back five, Chilwell will go straight back into the left back spot. But then when they play a back five, Alonso slots in the left wing back. Yeah, I think he joined from Leicester for, what, 50 million, obviously, um, in August as well. So for Chelsea, it does. A Tottenham, obviously, you know, probably you are out of the title race. What where do you expect you to come now, Max? Because obviously, I think you're seven points off fourth. You've got a game in hand on um, Liverpool as well, obviously, in fourth as well. Where do you think you'll come this season and what would be a good season so you know a league cup obviously final against man city in april europa league or you know at the top four um i mean i think it's you kind of have to keep the eyes off the league i think it was the element of that 
at the beginning of the season because I think just a trophy is is really what, what we need. Um, so I mean, a good a good season. I mean, it's, I mean, you can't disrespect the EFL Cup, but you, you'd expect a little bit more than that. Uh, you know, it's not the greatest trophy that there is to win, uh, but you know, you'd, you'd have to take it as a Spurs fan. Uh, so yeah, I think that would probably constitute a good season. But really, what Spurs need more than anything is Champions League football. But I doubt that is going to happen. Uh, but I mean, you know, maybe with Harry Kane coming back and maybe uh, Mourinho backing his ideas up a bit, I think maybe you could see maybe more attacking football. But I'm not not too sure. Uh, I mean, if I had to make a prediction, I'd maybe say, you know, sixth, you know, around the the, Euro, the Europa League spot. Uh, but you know, I think in terms of what I would say is a good season, I mean, I'd. I'd probably say, you know, a real top four challenge in a trophy. Yeah, as well, obviously, um, before before and um, Alex Hugh and Max having a chat about Tottenham um, and their performance and how they're doing. One question I, I'd like to put to you both, we'll start off with you. Do you think Mourinho is the right man going forward for Tottenham, Alex? Yeah, yeah, yeah I do, but he seems to be a bit of a destroyer at the moment. He went to United and he he seemed to enjoy the fallout with Pog, but he seemed to enjoy upsetting people. Where when he went to Chelsea, the people like John Terry, Drogba, um, Lampard were all sort of friendly and wanted to play with him. He looks like he's going the opposite way. Real Madrid, he did it, upset a few players. And it looks like with Spurs, he's had massive bust-ups with Aurea. He's had, obviously, him and Bale are not really seeing eye to eye. So I I, I don't know if he's, he'll stick around if, 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 if it gets too much, because he seems to be a bit more of a... A destroyer, but it, if I was Spurs, I, I would give him another 18 months, definitely. And you, Max? Um, well, I mean, in terms of you know what what Spurs need, yes. I mean, going forward, it's obviously I think trophies is 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 what is needed, and I think you know that is Mourinho. But and, I mean, in terms of obviously you know rebuild or you know anything even of the of the sort, no. I mean, for me, you know, he's got the end of this season and next season on his contract. So I think that is probably the time, the allotted time for him. And you, I have to, you know, trust in uh, Levy to, you know, have the proper damage control uh, in terms of, you know, getting him out and making sure he doesn't make, you know, leave too much damage and uh, appointing, you know, a good successor to him. So, uh, so, yeah, for me, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sack him anytime soon. And I think that would be too expensive. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of going forward, you know, let him run out his contract. And I think if he does that, I, you know, you've got, you've got to hope that, you know, it all ends well. Million dollar um, question, quick answer. Then, do you do you think Tottenham and Daniel Levy regret sacking Pochettino? Um, no, I don't think so. Just because of, I think what Pochettino wanted. I think he did want to stay, and I think, but I mean, I think if what he truly wanted was, uh, you know, more than he was going to get at Spurs, and I mean, yeah, in terms of that squad and, and the relationship, I think it was. I don't think they would have regretted it, and I mean, maybe there would be more regret over who they were appointed rather than sacking Pochettino. But yeah, no, I definitely think uh, sacking Pochettino is something that uh, Levy think was, thinks is uh, probably the right idea. Yeah, as well. So at the Premier League table, after a really good match week, then Man City at top after 21 games, 47 points. Then Man United, 22 games played, 44. Leicester the same amount. They go up to third after beating Fulham and Liverpool's defeat. They're off 22 games, 42. Liverpool dropped down to fourth, 22 games played, 40. West Ham remaining fifth, 22 games played, 38. Chelsea go up to sixth now, 22 games played, 36. Everton also go up a place to seventh, 20 games played though, 36 points. Tottenham dropped down to eighth, 
21 games played, 33. Aston Villa remaining ninth, 20 games played, 32. Arsenal also remaining in 10th, 22 games played, 31. Leeds go up a place because of Southampton's um, goal difference. Obviously, took a battering against us from 2 to minus 7 now. So, Leeds are on minus 2 goal difference, 29 points after 21 games. Southampton on, obviously, minus 7, same amount. Palace in 13th, 22 games played, 29. Wolves, the same amount of games, 26. Brighton, 24. Newcastle, 22, all played 22 games. Then Burnley dropped down a place, obviously, because Brighton got up to 15th. Newcastle and Burnley dropped down. To, um, Burnley on 22 points off 21. Then the bottom three remained unchanged. Fulham, 21 games played, 14. West Brom, 12 games played after 22. And, and Sheffield United do close the gap to West Brom by one point. 11 points off 22 games. So the fixtures for the weekend games, I think next week is a FA Cup round. So Saturday then, um, Aston Villa play Arsenal at half 12 on BT Sport. Burnley play Brighton at 3 o'clock on Sky. Newcastle, Southampton, 3 o'clock on BT um, as well. West Ham at half 5 on Sky. Then the big game, Man United, Everton, 8 o'clock. Sky Tottenham West Brom 12 o'clock on BT Wolves v Leicester 2 o'clock on Sky Liverpool Man City as well a big game at half four and then Sheffield United Chelsea quarter past seven on Sky and then one game on Monday Leeds against Palace is at eight o'clock on um, Sky Leicester we've got Jamie Vardy back against um, Wolves do you think that's how huge is that then Lloyd for, for Leicester going forward well, yeah, I think it, I think it's very useful for them. Uh, not really because they're in a bad run of form, just because he he can really add to what they're doing at the moment. Like they're still third, which is obviously amazing. But you know, you put Vardy into this team, and they'll probably do a lot better. That they had a good convincing win over Fulham on the weekend, and they have looked really good. And I think putting Vardy back in this team will only make them look a bit better. But normally, like. Normally, they do struggle with quite a few injuries. Like, Pereira was out for ages. Uh, Timothy Castagna has been out. Madison has been out. No, Vardy. And indeed, as well. So, I think if they can keep this team fit, I, I can easily see them finish in top four. But I think they do need to try and keep them fit, which really happens, sadly. And the Klopp v um, Pep battle is already heating up in the press conferences. Klopp said that we didn't have a break. Man City had two weeks off for COVID reasons. It's a tough year. Then Pep replied... He made a mistake. He has to see the calendar again. I'm surprised. I thought Jürgen was not that type of manager. Obviously, both managers have complained about the fixtures before. I think Jürgen Klopp moaned about um, they had to travel to London to play West Ham on Sunday. Then they played at home to Brighton on Wednesday, which I can't see his debate there. Do you think that maybe both have a point or none at all, Alex? None at all. I, I just I just find... I. I... Klopp's, I think he's just under pressure. I, I, I like Klopp. I don't like to have a go at him too much, but I think he's lost the plot completely. It was was he blamed the wind, he, the snow, the, the pitch, <laughs> the bus? The, I, I just give up with him, to be honest. I, I don't know if he just says it to take a bit of pressure off his players. I, I'm not sure, because I do like him as a manager. And Guardiola's been the same. And, uh, you know, he, he, they, they moan. And I, I just find it bizarre with clubs like Liverpool and Man City moaning. I can understand if it's some of the weaker clubs that... Palace, your Newcastle, your West. I can understand them only a little bit, but top, they're supposed to be two biggest clubs in the, in, in the Premiership. Get on with it, for goodness sake. Get on with it. Um, yeah, probably agree with that as well. Um, quickly to, to finish then, obviously this week, 
Um, obviously, I think the Champions League actually starts in two weeks' time, so we'll be looking ahead to that next week. But there is some news this week regarding two English teams in the Champions League. Um, Liverpool v Leipzig is being moved to um, Budapest, it looks like, in Hungary, because Liverpool um, can't travel to Germany and back because of um, flight rules to, to Germany and having to quarantine. And then it's the same with Arsenal going to Portugal to play. I think, is it Benfica? Are you playing, Lloyd? Uh, yeah, Benfica. So it, you have to, you know, they're looking for a venue for that. It could possibly be played the Arsenal game over one leg. Um, Liverpool as well, looking like it's going to be over two legs. Possibly um, Liverpool may lose their um, advantage as well and playing home first and may have, I think they're playing home first and having it away as well. So possibly um, a thing. Yeah, how much of a, an impact is that going to be if it is over one leg for you, Lloyd? I think really it can go either way because like you lo- you can look at it as oh, it's what like on paper we should win we have the better team so um, if we win then perfect like one less game to play so le- less less rotation we need to do less time all the players are going to play so we're like could be miles better but then it's also if we do play one leg uh, like it's it's going to be a very stress a very stressful ninety minutes like we're going to have to make sure we win because if we lose there is no there's no second leg. Like it'd be a, a lot of pressure. And I, I don't know if I don't know if it'll actually help or anything, or if it'll be beneficial playing the one less ninety minutes, just because of all the added pressure and, and that we will need to win in that ninety minutes. And on the Europa League debate earlier, how disappointed would you be um, going out the Europa League? Because I think you went out. Did you go out the first knockout to Olympiacos last year, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, so as well, how disappointed would you like be going out the Europa League, or do you agree with Alex's point that it may, you know, push you towards possibly a top four? Uh, I think really at this point, top four is is quite out of reach. Like I'm not, I'm never going to say impossible, and I think we do have a decent chance. But like we, like the Wolves game, I think that was really crucial to win if we actually wanted to try and cement our challenge for top four so that's so why I, I think really we need to focus on the europa league because you look at it we, you have to win seven matches and then you're into the champions league and if you look at it like that it's like easier and i, I wish it was that easy uh, just winning seven matches but i think we need to focus on that like i think yeah i, I just really think that's what we need to do especially after last year going out to olympiacos i think it was a 122nd minute goal which knocked us out in the end mm-hmm. It was a very horrible fixture, and I, I just I just hope we we try this year, and we put out the solid teams, we put out good performances, and I, I'm sure we will. And I, I think it is our only chance, really, to get back into the Champions League this season. Yeah, I think you're nine points off, and Tottenham are two batters who seven points off. Do you agree with um, the Arsenal point of view there that you know Tottenham have to take it serious, and that's your only chance to get in Champions League this year, Max? Well, I mean, I mean, not about only chance, but obviously the Europa League is obviously something I think. I mean, just I think the idea of it being a trophy, I think that is probably the main reason. But yeah, obviously you know, it offers two of those things and two things that we need: a trophy and top four. So yeah, and I think obviously personally, I'd, I'd probably say it's the thing that is should be focusing on because it, yeah, it solves both the the blatant issues and obviously with top four in the Premier League looking you know increasingly more unlikely, you know I think it is the most reasonable thing uh, for Spurs to to just. Uh, pay, all, pay all attention to it, really. And finally, Alex, as I said, um, looks like Leipzig Liverpool's getting moved to to Hungary. Do you think it'll have much of an impact? Obviously, no fans if Liverpool have the home leg or the away leg end. 
No, I don't. Behind closed doors, I don't think it really matters where you play. You you know, you you could play in the middle of America, and it wouldn't really matter. I don't I don't think so. It's same for both teams, and you know, I'm sure Klopp will moan about the travelling, but you know, they won't they won't be travelling in economy class and waiting in rounded airports and stuff. So I, I'm not going to feel too sorry for either team. And do you think, obviously, you know, Cardiff not in the Champions League or Europa League, and you know, you're obviously a neutral to that as well. Do you can you see the Champions League? First of all, finishing and, you know, being really exciting this year? Yeah, I think so. To be fair to the Champions League, you know, it is a good competition. And I can't really, you can't really deny that it's not because it is. I still think, again, in my day, the, the, it was only, the, the problem I've got is, is when I was watching European football in the 80s and early 90s, you only had four teams maximum coming from, from, from England. That would be obviously the league winners, the FA Cup winners and the League Cup winners. So it was a bit more... <laughs> I don't know, sturdy. You only have the top teams in now. It's so diluted. No disrespect. Some of the teams in Europa League, I've never even heard of them. Never even heard of them. And even some of the ones in the Champions League, I'm thinking, all right, okay, yeah. So for me, the European football has been diluted into tournaments that I just don't think mean as much. But obviously, if you win the Champions League, it's the highest pinnacle in the club game. So (laughs) I don't know. Perhaps I'm looking at it through uh, Rose Tent's uh, spectacles, but I... I just think it was better in, in the 80s and the 90s. Just meant more, I think. It's, it's just far too diluted for me now. And one final question. Obviously, Champions League and Europa League last year in, was played in um, Germany and uh, Portugal over one leg. Do you think they should revert back to that in the future? Start off with you, Lloyd. Well, going back to one-legged fixtures. One-legged fixtures. Uh, I, I really did like it. I think... I think it's a way to make it a bit easier, just because you have to well, you have to win half the games. Like you look at the one Leon went on. And I think that was greatly helped by only having to play one game. Like you look at the City game where they went three one. If there's a second leg with that, you can see City just being up three 0 next time, and just knowing what to do and just going at it. I think, I think this year it was it was really helpful to some of the teams with the one legs, and I, I wouldn't really go back to it just because it is a bit. Well, it's it's just a bit more lucky, I think. And for you, Max, one leg or two legs? Um, well, I mean, from uh, obviously being a, a watcher, I'd definitely say one leg. But I mean, I'm just thinking. I mean, obviously, last season I was watching the Champions League and, and Europa League. Uh, but I mean, I can just imagine if Spurs were in it, it would be kind of unpleasant. So, uh, I mean, I'd probably say two-legged. But but for the Europa League, I mean, there's around a 32, and I wouldn't be entirely opposed to the idea of maybe the earlier. Uh, rounds being one-legged just because of the obviously the fixture pile-up being quite intensive. And you, Alex? No, I I, I think I agree with Lloyd on this. I, yeah, I think two-legged would be better, but again, would it be better just to go two-legged all the way through rather than the group phases in a way? I, I, I don't know if the group phases, do, do many people like watching? The, I, I don't know because I don't know the stats, but I find that the group stages can be pretty, I don't know, not predictable, but I don't know, wouldn't it be better just to put them all in the hat and play two-legged all the way through? Would that be a bit more interesting? And that would mean, obviously, more games are on telly. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not an expert in European football, but I, I used to enjoy the, the European nights watching Liverpool and Man United back in the day when it was just two-legged all the way through, you know, from round one down uh, you know, to the final. And to answer your question about Eric Cantona, really, a brilliant stat man, Lloyd, has said that Eric Cantona actually played 180 games. Um, 180? 180 games at Man United. Obviously, well, that ban was in was in place for 
you know, for nine months, so that probably impacted um, as well. I think he played, you know, 28 games in the Premier League for Leeds as well. So um, that's it for the St. Martin's Football Show this week. We'll be back next week, hopefully, for Lloyd and Mac to say, talk about a, um, the Arsenal and Tottenham win um, as well. And Alex will be back on to have his usual moan. But brilliant show. Live long in the memory. 9-0 Man United. Only two teams, three, two teams have done that. So thank you for listening and goodbye. Once upon a younger year When all our shadows disappeared The animals inside came out to play Went face to face with all our fears Learned our lessons through the tears Made memories we knew would never fade One day my father, he told me Son, don't let it slip away He took me in his arms, I heard him say When you get older, your wild heart will live for younger days Think of me if ever you're he said one day you'll leave this world behind So live a life you will remember My father told me when I was just a child These are the nights to never die My father told me Shining stars. He said, Go venture far beyond the shores. Don't forsake this life of yours. I'll guide you home no matter where you are. One day, my father, he told me, Son, don't let it slip away. When I was just a kid, I heard him say.